His name is called Manasseh. His father, by the way, was a very godly king by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, when he got to that time in his, in his age to where God decided to take him home, God let him know, I'm going to take you home. And he wasn't ready to go. He said, Lord, I'm going to pray and I'm going to beg and I, I want to even see a sign. I want to see you move back time, you know. Move the calendar back and promise me by moving the calendar back that I'm going to live at least another 15 years. And God honored that. I mean, uh, we don't see that happen too often <laughs> where the sundials move back. But God moved it back for Hezekiah. And so that was a mistake. Not on God's part. Sometimes God gives us what we ask for when we really don't need it. And so we need to be careful what we ask for. Amen. He asked for 15 more years of life. And so at the end of his life, he uh, was so braggadocious about all the blessings that God brought that he brought in the king Sennacherib and showed him everything that he had. And uh, the Lord wasn't happy about that. So uh, God decided, all right, you're going to take that kind of pride, boast about what you have, it's not yours, it's mine, it belongs to me. It's, I should be getting the glory, not you. And so I'm going to take it all from you. And so he did. Another thing that happened because he got to live 15 years longer is right after God expanded those years, well, he gave birth to his son Manasseh. If Manasseh would have never been born, Israel would have... I mean, uh, Judah would have never gone through the heartaches and the problems that they're going to go through right now. Uh, so, <clears throat> so as a result of Hezekiah's answered prayer, it really brought a lot of despair upon uh, the southern tribe of Judah and Benjamin. So we'll begin the story by looking over at uh, 2 Kings. 2 Kings 21, I was going to read verse number 9 through verse number 14, but since we have plenty of time, I've got 15 minutes before the hour, and I have you up by 12.30, so let's stand. I'm going to begin at verse number 21, I mean verse number 1 of chapter 21 of 2 Kings. 2 Kings 21.1, Manasseh, he was a young boy, 12 years old when he began to reign. He was the longest reigning king and one of the wickedest from uh, the lineage of David. He reigned 55 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hezazai Ba. Pardon? Hezazai. Hev Hezazai You guys help me out. Go ahead. What is it? There you go. That's what Hesperball. I don't know. It sounds like he'd pay that name to me. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord out, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. What was it that he did? Well, he built up again the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. And so it just goes on to tell us a whole litany of bad things that he had done. 
offering his children those first number six he made his sons to pass through the fire and so it was done at a place called in the valley of Hinnon as you go over to second chronicles 33 and we know that that's where we get the uh, uh, a Gehenna from. It was a dump that burned constantly, and it's a picture of hell. And so we read in verse number 7 that he set up graven images. Verse number 8, neither the Lord uh, went on to say in verse number 9, he would not hearken unto the Lord. So Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. So the Lord spake by his servants, the prophets. Verse number 10. Because Manasseh, the king of Judah, had done these abominations and had done wickedly above all that the Amorites did, which were before him, and had made Judah also to sin, with his idols, therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whosoever heareth it, both his ears shall tingle. <laughs> As you know, we get, you, you know, you know where that expression comes from. Oh, that tingles my ears. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. Now you know where that expression came from. And I will forsake the remnant of mine inheritance and deliver them unto the hand of their enemies, and they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies. Now, all I can say is beware USA. If God has done that with Israel. I believe this could happen to us as well. Because why? Well, they have done that which is evil in the sight, in my sight. You know, so much is being done in the sight of the Lord. John, will you take George to be your lawful wedded wife to love and behold? Will you solemnly, solemnly swear before God and uh, these witnesses? You know, that's going on right now. Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much. What is it, 60 million babies have been aborted since 1973 and uh, it started off with early term pregnancies now it's all the way up to as they come through the birthing canal from the end he says Manasseh you have shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another Besides his sins wherewith he made Judah to sin in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Father, bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, it's interesting to know as we read from the scripture that leadership 
uh, is usually where the people will rise to or rise below. You got when they sponsor this kind of a leader, you know where the people are headed. When the majority of the people sponsor the kind of leaders uh, that support what's going on in America right now as far as legislating immorality, to continue to allow women to have their rights to abort babies now, it's going even beyond the birthing canal to the time the child is born. The mother decides she doesn't want the child. In some states, the child can be left there on the table to starve to death, be uncared for, and tell the child no longer has breath. Uh, these things are going on. And, and they, they pass these laws, and, and all these arguments are argued, and yet there are those within the halls of Congress with just a very solemn face that vote to go forward with these things. <laughs> and judges that swiftly carried it out. And uh, <clears throat> they want to censor anyone that would speak out against it. Uh, so that's where we are in America today. And it's a very sad time that we are in, and we wonder why America continues to slip further and further and deeper and deeper into a hole of ungodliness and immorality why homelessness and drug addiction and violent crimes and child uh, abuse and pornography and all the other things that are going rampant, teenage suicide and uh, gang warfare, all of these things continue to rise while the police force in number continues to diminish while cities are firing their police officers, while we're in the midst of a so-called pandemic and we have uh, doctors and professional medical personnel being fired because they're not being compliant to the mandates of the vaccine. And uh, we find more and more people out of work. It's not, it doesn't look for a very bright future. And everyone is thankful that 21 is over and thinking that 22 will get better. Well, I, unless there's repentance, I don't know that it will get better. And so there are some things that we can learn from. First of all, we see Judah and their king did not take God's word seriously. God made it very clear in Deuteronomy Chapter 8 and verse number 19 and 20, that it shall be, if thou do all, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them. I testify against you this day, that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall he perish, or ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. And as a result of their rebellion, as a result of their failure to comply to the principles of God's word, well, wickedness sets in, ungodliness sets in, 
And um, God will only put up with it for so long. And then after a while, he will no longer endure all the shedding of innocent blood, all the wickedness and ungodliness of a nation that has turned their back on the Lord. And as we go into 2022, America is either going to be led into a pathway that will take us further down the road of imminent destruction, or we can be brought down a pathway of God's blessing through America falling on her knees and repenting. Repentance is the key. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then shall we hear from heaven. And then God will forgive us of our sins and heal our land. But uh, if not, then God will destroy any kingdom that continues to move in the direction of rebellion. And so Judah and their king Manasseh is a prime example of this. Uh, this falls on the heels of a time where there was great despair throughout the land. The northern tribes had already been carried off into Assyrian captivity. Isaiah was already warning them. Perhaps Daniel may have already been born by this time, very close to the time, about 50 years before Daniel comes on the scene, or Daniel could be very well about to be born. And uh, one of the grandsons of Hezekiah, uh, along with Ananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, are soon going to be carried into Babylonian captivity. As we know, their last king, Zedekiah, his eyes were poked out and he was carried into captivity and uh, was treated very horribly. Poor Isaiah was carried off into Assyrian captivity, put in a hollow log and cut in half, as we are told. Jeremiah did quite well, though. He was left to remain. Nebuchadnezzar showed favor on him because he had asked the people to do what God had commanded them to do. But <clears throat> Jehoiakim and the rest of them, they wouldn't listen. So there was a price they all had to pay. It's very important that we pay attention to God's word. We find that there are several important factors that we can learn from what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning with verse number 13. He says, When thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be filled up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents, scorpions, and drought, where there was no water, and brought thee forth uh, with water out of the rock of the flint, who fled thee in the or fed thee in the wilderness with manna, 
which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thy heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. Sounds familiar. America had very humble beginnings. America tread through the wilderness where there was drought, where there was no water, where there were venomous scorpions and venomous snakes. America was provided manna from heaven. And God blessed this great nation from sea to shining sea. And God raised up uh, city after city and began to pour wealth into this nation, bringing immigrants from all around the world to settle in this great land, to pioneer out uh, this great land, building farms and industry. And they were so proud, and they wanted to make sure uh, that all the world knew that God has blessed America. So our anthem is, God bless America. On our currency, in God we trust. In the halls of Congress, Scripture and the prayers uh, that uh, Moses had quoted, uh, to let all the world know that we are a nation under God. But now we are filled and now we are wealthy, and now we feel that we're most powerful, and we have forgotten the Lord our God. And we've come to that place to where our attitude is much different toward God than it once was, to where we want to cancel out that old culture. We want to cancel out the Christianity that made America great, and we want to cancel out the voice of those that continue to rehearse what America once was. And they're doing a very good job of it. They want to teach our children to trust in yourselves. And if your parents aren't trusting in, in their own humanity, and then you need to, to divorce yourself from them. Uh, you need to walk away from such foolishness and nonsense. And so the NEA has really done a good job in brainwashing our children. It's okay to protest. It's okay to smash windows. It's okay to loot stores. It's okay to spit in the faces of officers of the law that stand for truth and righteousness and for the common law and the common good of humanity. It's okay because... Uh, this culture needs to change and it needs to be canceled out and we need to move forward as a new nation no longer trusting in God but trusting in ourselves and allowing the wisdom of man to guide us rather than the wisdom of God and so there we have a whole new attitude that was the attitude that the people somehow had generated 
an attitude that considered uh, the satisfaction is what we need. As the songwriter once wrote and the singers once sang, I get no satisfaction. We're not going to get satisfaction from wealth. You're not going to get satisfaction from power. I remember years ago leading a police officer to the Lord, Brother Dave, um, oh, what's his last name? Pardon, Barrett, Dave Barrett. He was involved in a shooting where he took a man's life and his fellow officer was shot and killed right uh, in front of him as he pursued this man that was shooting at him. And, and so that moved his heart to go and visit a church and, and somehow get acquainted with a message that might tell him how he could be sure of a world where it has no ending. And so he visited RBT, and Saturday I was asked to go visit this prospect. We had no idea that he was in the news, that he was in the Riverside Press, and he was all over the Associated Press. And I knocked on his door. He invited me in. I witnessed and gave him the gospel. He shared with me that everything that he pursued brought no satisfaction to his heart. And he says, I got a beautiful speedboat out there. I have a beautiful Harley Davidson out there in my garage. We have a lovely cabin up at Big Bear Lake, right there on the lake. He says, my wife's involved in the medical field, and I'm involved in law enforcement. And these, this is our dream, and yet I am not satisfied. My heart is empty. Is there anything in this world that can satisfy my empty heart? And I told him, no. Your heart is too big. It is so big that not even the world can bring satisfaction to your heart. But there is one who can satisfy, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to open your heart and invite him in. And he'll bring in a whole new world, a world that is everlasting, and a hope that brings joy. And I shared with him the gospel. And as he prayed the sinner's prayer, he put his arms around me. And tears flowing down his cheek on my shoulder. He was saying, oh, you're right. I feel, I feel the void being filled right now. You see, only God can bring that kind of contentment. The Bible says that the church in the last days will come to a place to where they'll no longer seek after contentment, but after satisfaction. And they will only find emptiness. We read in Revelation 3, verse number 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, poor and blind and naked. And yet the church today is trying to fill the void of man's heart by telling them that the things of this world can be theirs for just asking. And empty souls walk away thinking that true happiness is through the riches. My pastor drives a brand new BMW. He has a beautiful Rolls Royce. He has a beautiful condo over uh, in the Hawaiian Islands. He lives over on, in Indian Wells. And he's been so successful and he's telling me how I can be successful. You know, we hear uh, these prosperity preachers, 
and they continue to rise and their churches grow uh, to levels of uh, that of what we call a MAGA church, you know. And yet uh, the smaller churches that preach the word, no one wants to hear. They don't want to hear that there's persecution. They don't want to hear that all we need is godliness and with godliness there is contentment. They want more than godliness with contentment. And this world is not going to bring satisfaction. However, they must understand the need to repent, to turn from their sins and turn to the Lord. We find that there was another attitude that was lacking. There was no sanctified hall of shame in the back of their minds to remind them of the pit that they were dug from. They had forgotten their roots. In verse number 14, the Lord said, Thine heart will be lifted up, and thou wilt forget the Lord thy God, who brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. God help us to always have that sanctified hall of shame. And uh, have the prayer that Solomon, of all people, you know, I'm not sure, maybe Proverbs 30. Did Solomon write that? I'm just assuming he wrote that. But maybe it was someone else. It just doesn't sound like Solomon. Proverbs 30, verse number 7 and 8 and 9. Two things have I required of thee. Deny, deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee. And say, who is the Lord? Wow. Wow. Who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain? Is that Solomon? You're looking at it, Proverbs 30. Oh, good thing. I just didn't, I didn't think that sounded like Solomon, did you? God help us to get to that place to where we're content with whatever God gives us. Some of the happiest and most content people in the world are the poorest people in the world. And those that are most miserable are those that seek for greater gain. And uh, they only bring their souls to misery. As we read over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, the Bible talks about how it brings about great destruction. In fact, we'll see that perhaps in just a moment here. So we strive for wealth. Most people who strive for wealth do it with a foolish heart. A heart that is self-centered, a heart that is misguided. And that kind of heart will lead you to destruction. We read in verse number 17, My power and by my might... Yes, my hand had got me this wealth, shall they say. Well, the Lord said in Luke's gospel, chapter 12 and verse number 16, that there was the ground of a certain rich man that brought forth plenty, and he thought within himself after he had so much, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. So here's what Bill Gates said. <laughs> this will I do. 
I will pull down my barns, and I will build greater barns, and there will I bestow my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up treasures for himself is not rich toward God. If you want to be rich toward God, lay treasures up in heaven, not here on earth. Be faithful to serve God. This old world and all of its wealth and all of its glory one day will be turned to ashes. We read that over in 2 Peter chapter 3. So the Apostle Paul made it very clear in chapter 6 and verse number 9 of 1 Timothy that they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. You see, and that seems to be the dream of so many people out there, standing in line to get that mega lotto ticket. My dream is to win the mega lotto. My dream is to one day be a millionaire. Well, my dream one day is to stand before the Lord and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Amen. Let me close with God's mercy. Now God reached out in the midst of their sin and in Manasseh's misery and showed mercy and grace unto him. It's an unbelievable story. The most wicked of all the kings, and yet God spared him. We read the story in 2 Chronicles 33, beginning with verse number 9. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants, inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake unto Manasseh and to his people that they would not hearken. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Syria which took Manasseh among the thorns and the balls and the fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God. He humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And he prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him. And he heard his supplication, and he brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Now after this, he built a wall without the city of David on the west side of Gihon, in the valley, even in the entering end of the fish gate, and compassed about Ophel, and raised up a very great height, and put captains of war in all the fenced cities of Judah. And he took away the strange gods, 
and the idols of the house of the Lord, and all the altars, and he had built at the mount of the house of the Lord. And in Jerusalem, and he cast them out of the city, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, and sanctified thereon peace offerings and thanks offerings, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Wow, there's the grace of God. Paul said, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. You say, well, preacher, you don't know how big of a sinner I am. Well, think of Manasseh offering his own son on the the brazen altar of Molech. Uh, Think of all the children of Judah. Uh, that he encouraged to offer up their children unto the God of Baal. Think about uh, taking the temple of God and putting images of Asheroth inside uh, the very temples of the Lord and as they entered into the gates of the Lord. And the gods uh, that lorded over the planets of the constellations, uh, the goddess of love, Diana, Asteroff and all the rest of them that he had caused the people to worship and had built temples and made uh, betrothal houses out of those temples. And the people came and they worshiped these pagan gods by uh, giving their bodies over to these prostitutes. And they done wickedly, ungodliness, And immorality abounded, and those that refused to be complicit, those that held to the old Judeo faith, uh, they were horribly persecuted and put to death. While all this is going on, God is about to show mercy on him. God allows him to come under correction to come under judgment, but in his plea for forgiveness, God shows mercy and God forgives him. And he repents and his heart has been changed. You know, and I hear Christians say, oh, you know, I don't know if I like that serial murderer was saved before he was executed. I don't think that's fair. What about all the people he raped and the women that he killed and he was saved? Why why would God save him? Well, there's the grace of God for you. I can't understand it. It goes far beyond my comprehension. But how great is God's mercy? John preached on it on our New Year Eve service from Lamentations 3. His compassions fail not. His mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. We understand that mercy is you and I not getting what we deserve. Well, how great does that mercy extend to? Well, it extends all the way to evil Manasseh. Well, it can cover us as well. I don't think any of us in here has done that bad. But God's mercy, if you have, can still save you. He can still forgive. And his grace 
grace. You getting what you don't deserve. A royal crown. A royal robe. To sit at the seat of Jesus. To reign with him forevermore. To be brought into his presence. And to be lifted up as priests and kings. Wow, the grace of God far exceeds anything that we could ever comprehend. But in order to get there, there has to be repentance. You can't just simply say, well, you know, I believe it. No, you've got to repent. And God gives grace to repent. And you say, well, what about these people that repent? They still committed these horrible sins. Are they getting off scot-free? No. Their souls may be sealed, but their flesh is still going to pay. The Apostle Paul made it very clear in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7 through 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. You see, repentance may save your soul, but the old flesh is still going to die. And you're going to pay for it. God's going to bring some maladies upon you. David paid for his sins. And God made it very clear, if you live holy and clean, then none of these sins will visit upon you. God has ways of raising up certain sins uh, that can bring heartache and sorrow to the flesh and remind us, well, I'm in this condition because I didn't obey God. David said, the bones that thou hast broken. He understood why those bones were broken. David understood there in Psalms 33 and Psalms 34 the disease that he was afflicted with was because of his sin of immorality. Yeah, David understood. You know, there are certain sins that come upon us. But praise God, the soul is secure. And then there are those, what is interesting, is that there are those that remain righteous. And they were carried off into Babylonian captivity. What about the righteous? Who continue to do righteous. What about them? Well, look over at Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse number 14. Ezekiel mentioned this, and we understand Ezekiel was somewhat a contemporary during these times. Ezekiel said, uh, as he was talking about the Babylonians coming in, the Assyrians coming in, the righteous being carried off. He said, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it. In other words, they were in a time of judgment. They were in a time when God's wrath was poured out upon a bunch of people. He says, though they were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. You see, it's our righteousness that protects us. It's our righteousness. And the Lord made that very clear again in verse number 20. God is, and by the way, you know, there's a good argument there. 
And these critics that say Daniel was written much later than the Babylonian captivity. He was written during the time of the Maccabeans. That's why he knew what was going to happen uh, during the time that Babylon would fall into the hands of the Medes and the Persians. He understood what would happen by Alexander the Great coming in and Epiphanes ruling. He understood all those things because he's a fictitious character and someone wrote Daniel far after that period during the time of the Maccabees. Well, if that's true, throw out your Bible because Ezekiel is a contemporary during the time of the Babylonian captivity. Throw out your Bible because Jesus made it very clear as the abomination that was spoken by the prophet Daniel was going to happen, it's going to be fulfilled. And so stop listening to the critics. You can trust your Bible. These people out there that attack the book of Daniel and they attack the Word of God, they're not only attacking Daniel, they're attacking the entire Bible there. And so Ezekiel gave proof that Daniel was written in that appointed time. And he gave proof that even if uh, you are carried off into captivity, like uh, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, and Daniel, you can even be blessed while you're going through a time for which this nation is being judged. God will take care of his people. As he took care of Noah, as he took care of Job, you say, well, how did he take care of Job? Well, the devil wanted to kill Job. <laughs> but God wouldn't let him do that. Oh, yes, there's going to be heartaches and sorrows. And you say, well, what about his children? Maybe they weren't as righteous as their dad. Remember, he prayed and fasted for his children. Now, something may have been going on there. 